0: Hello. Welcome to this series of Above the Shoulders, a special podcast series presented by Runners.com. Above the Shoulders explores the importance of mental health, looking at how mental health affects different individuals and the role exercise has in supporting our well-being. Today's episode is hosted by Rick Mirabella, and this week he's joined by Glenn Mickey. Glenn is a member of Victoria Police, and through his work has been exposed to a number of incidents that have affected him long after leaving the office. A keen member of local sport, Glenn has been a head football coach for 10 years and has played football for over 25 years. As a father of three, working hard to contribute and look after the community, Glenn takes us through what his journey has been in understanding his own mental health and the ways that he has worked to better manage it. This podcast does deal with topics that may cause some listeners to feel distressed. For Australian listeners, immediate support is available from Lifeline at 13 11 14. Or, you can access support from Beyond Blue or Headspace, and those details are in the show description. For those overseas, please seek support from your local area. And now, let's begin.
1: G'day and welcome to Runner's Radio. Now we're back for episode four of Above the Shoulders. It's been very warmly received. Um, it's, uh, It's a really important podcast series we're doing, and we've had some... Amazing people and the man sitting across from me. is just that. He's an amazing man Glenn Mouse Mickey He's a former head coach for 10 years of Australian rules football. He's a former player of course as well He's also a member of the Victoria police. So we're going to touch on lots of subjects today I welcome and he's traveled down for the second time and I'll fill you in on that later listeners Glenn Mouse Mickey Good hey, morning, mate. How you going? Thank you. And thanks for coming back in. I, I stuffed up the audio listeners big time last time so He's definitely one of our furthest living guests, and he's come in all the way again, so thanks, buddy. (laughs) Um, I touched on those subjects now. Lots and lots of things to get through from a mental health perspective, from a sporting perspective, and just from everyday life. Head coach of a football club for nearly a decade, a couple of different football clubs, a player for two and a half decades. Um, You then, obviously, the job, the Vic Police job. So we're going to get in all those subjects, but let's just take it right back to the start, Mousy. Um, Growing up, where would you grow up? And just... your your daily life sport etc and i guess if um if you were even aware of your own mental health back then but take us from the start big fella and i'll interrupt as we go
2: no no i grew up down latro valley um down down in maui uh, in gippsland so um it was uh i enjoyed country life growing up Um, probably wouldn't have handled the uh, city life too much as most of us wouldn't most country kids um youngest of four kids uh and was i suppose spent my youth or my younger days Watching the siblings play sport. So, um, eldest brother's eight years older, and then uh, yeah, so I sort of was their, their number one supporter there for quite a while until it was my turn to, to have a kick and, and the like. So, um, yeah, mum and dad passed, uh, like split when I was about 12, I think, and that sort of changed the dynamics of a lot of things. And I probably around that time was probably, um, I guess, when you start your head starts thinking what and why and all those sort of things and, and even the loss of grandparents and stuff like that you sort of your mind starts turning towards those sort of things of um, yeah, life's not as rosy as it should be so um, certainly I reckon from maybe around the, the mid-teens especially um, I was starting to, to wonder how my head was going.
1: Yeah great great that's, um,
2: that's I reckon that's pretty young to be
1: that aware of it. You um you played a lot of good football um, and football was your sport of choice I know you played a few other things so touch on the sporting side of your teenage years because I know you look you, you did a lot of things really early in life as a good footballer which which is great but yeah you definitely um, I guess you, you arrived a lot earlier than some of us do in our football career yep. um, for lack of a better word so How did you deal with all that? So take the listeners through some of that success, because you had some great individual success as well.
2: Yeah, well, I probably wasn't as um, fortunate as my older brothers, Um, and I'll talk about my sister as well throughout this, but um, my two older brothers who uh, were both gifted footballers younger, and I played a lot of rep footy, and um, I suppose the introduction to TAC Cup um, was when one of my brothers was going through, and the other brother played Teal Cup, and whereas I didn't get picked for under 16s, under 18s um, representative sides, and that was sort of the the dagger to say, come on, mate, let's uh, let's get yourself going. So I went hit that fork of the road where I go, you know what, I can just be a, um, the younger brother of Blair and Brad, or I can go the other way and, and actually dig in and, and train harder and all those sort of things. And that, essentially that's what I did. Um, sport was my focus then because I knew that was going to keep me out of trouble. Um, and then, yeah, it was a case of, uh, yeah, going head first and there was much training as I could. And come cricket season I was probably training five nights a week so Monday Wednesday Friday for footy and Tuesday Thursday for cricket and I literally went head first into sport and uh, through being around uh, I suppose some really good leaders early in my sporting career I was able to develop um, and and through good coaching as well to uh, to have some some success so well I think you've been a little bit modest there you had a lot of success
1: I uh, didn't know anything about your brothers being at that elite level and yep. for the listeners that aren't in a Melbourne, that is the elite level of, of underage football You can be the Teal Cup and all that is national level So there's, they're looking at some of the best 17-year-olds in the country uh, the, Both the Mickey brothers You worked your ass off And you turned in one of the great seasons at 18, 19-year-old Phil the yeah. listeners in
2: Yeah, so um, I suppose my f- first season of senior footy was 98 And uh, I generally just played half-back, centre-half-back that year um, Just I guess as an apprenticeship to footy And um, I still say now that playing back's a lot easier than playing forward, which sometimes gets some raised eyebrows. But um, yeah, it was the, the following season, oh sorry, 98, we lost the grand final um, and I played that with my eldest brother. Um, we lost, but then 99, um, first game started down centre-half back. Um, I think we were down by a bit at half-time and I got moved to the forward line in the second half and managed to kick three goals. And from there it just escalated. Um, yeah, managed to kick a few in the end and, uh, yeah, ended up getting the 100, which was nice. Um.
1: I was waiting for that. <laughs> I had to lead him into it, listeners, with my hand gestures. <laughs> He's got to mention that he kicked 100 goals in a season as a 19-year-old?
2: 18-year-old.
1: 18-year-old yeah. kid. This is not easy to do. Like, 100 goals, no one does that stuff anymore. So, as an 18-year-old young fellow, 100 goals in a season as an individual, I just needed
2: to get that out of the way, continue. Yeah. So, no, it was... Um, one of those things. is still, I look back on it now and think, how did that happen? But um, had a, we had a great team. We went on one won the flag, um, and yeah, I guess for even now, like I, I still hold my like hold to the premiership yeah. more so than a hundred goals yeah, because um, it wasn't just the twenty-two or twenty-one players that went out there that day as well. You got a whole club and a whole community, which I was sort of proud of that we, that we were able to achieve that. That's the so.
1: beautiful thing about country footy. Um, as well, Mousy lot, that you really are the whole town and yeah. it's so beautiful and you've got the 21 players on the day or 22 plus on the day, you've got the reserves players, you've got the 19s, you've got the boot studders, you've got everyone that's been around the club for 50 years, some of these guys come and have a beer on a Thursday night. It's just one of the best environments um, and we spoke with Brad Sykes about the sporting clubs and he goes around to country clubs uh, talking mental health and suicide prevention kind of things and uh, um, the sporting club can be is a beautiful place to be especially when you're winning, but even when you're not. Um, What I wanted to touch on the 100 goals for is because um, this work rate, we speak so often about repetition, continuity, and you were just hell bent. You, You said you look back and go, I don't know how that happened. Well, I could tell you. You obviously got a bit of talent as well, but you just put your head down and bum up for so long, and it, it's just going to flow after that. Yeah. Sometimes you don't know when it's going to come, and you you didn't know you're going to get moved forward, snag three, yeah. and then you've kicked a hundred yeah. like, six months later. So it just it just flows, which is um, the work rate, and I think the work rate and leadership you touched on, you've definitely held for the last two decades since then, and uh, very natural leader. Did you feel like you were a leader all through all through your junior career?
2: Um. Most sides I had some sort of leadership role. Um, it was probably more more so cricket where I was captaining at, at a younger age. Um, I coached, I uh, captained the Central Gippsland on the 19 cricket team. Um, so I was probably getting picked for more rep side in cricket than I was in footy. Um, but yeah, uh, and then eventually I guess it crossed over. The more development I got in football through quality coaches and the like. And obviously stepping away from cricket to focus on footy um, probably drove that... Um, that push into leadership of
1: football as a young bloke then so you're still playing gippsland footy um you how did you find your weekends weekday day-to-day mental health situation how did you go dealing with certain things like did you feel like you had the mechanisms in place back then or how were you traveling
2: um i suppose i was probably in free fall to be honest like i suppose because i had sport just about every day i didn't have time to to um to think a whole lot, which was probably a real positive, um, because I guess the moment you stop and, I suppose, take stock of what's going on, you you probably start to overthink things. So, um, yeah, I, I've, I think I've said to you before, um, I owe sport more than it owes me still, because, because of those early interventions, it was able to give me around um, involvement, essentially. Like, if I wasn't playing sport, who knows what I would have been doing, so.
1: So true, buddy, and it's just, it's like, we talk. I've, I've mentioned mouse's individual feats, but it's certainly we're, we're almost ingest It's it's a, it's way bigger than that. It's the it's the connection, and we mention it nearly weekly on this series. It's the connection of other human beings, and and we say it every week. It doesn't have to be football or netball or the mainstream sports. Just anything to get involved in something with a group of people is a beautiful thing. A walking group. It doesn't matter what it is. Mousy, you came down now, what's your occupation at this time in your life? I was
2: working on a golf course. On a golf golf course, okay.
1: So you came down, when did you come up this way, mate, up to the biggest smoke? Yeah, 2001. And then you played in the MPNFL?
2: Yeah, yeah, straight to So so.
1: Very famous, powerful football club in the Frankston area. Um, When did you start to look towards coaching and the police force, those two things Mm. that have shaped your life the last Um, 10 or
2: 15 years? I reckon coaching was probably probably attribute most of that to a lot of the early coaches I had um, around how impressive they were and what they taught me in terms of life values not just the sporting side of it but um, and I think it was probably Doug Coop was the one who his game day coaching was as good as I've seen like he he could write notes and not look at them and and recite everything he wanted the team to do and I was actually in awe of how he went about it so I'm like geez that's impressive and that sort of um, I was always over-analyzing the game as I was playing it anyway, but um, yeah, it was just that, that scene, the way Koopy did it, I'm like, you know what, that's actually not so much um, he, the way his delivery in terms of, because uh, he was a bit of the old school of yelling and all that sort of stuff, which he won't mind me saying, but um, just his game day knowledge was just phenomenal. So Coopy's a career coach, and I, I definitely call you a career coach. I know you've got a busy
1: life at the moment, young family. You've stepped away from coaching, which we'll talk about later. But you're a career coach, um, and I guess coming from someone I've coached every day for the last 13 years and, and then some. So it's, it's in you. It's either in you or it isn't. Yeah. Um, a lot of people try it and think they might like it. Someone like you, and I, I was very similar to you, I, that, that, I was in awe of those kind of coaches but also the, the analysing and that kind of stuff. And it's a great trait. It can all, it can also be all-consuming, though, yeah. Um, which is sometimes to, I think, our detriment. I've never been in charge of a football club with 60 blokes, though. Um, the thing about a head coach at a, a footy club is you, if you listen to Brad Sykes' interview, um, listeners, it's it's an all-consuming job. So you've got the football department stuff, but it goes much deeper than that. You've yeah. got 60 or 70 young lives that you're guiding. So... I guess you pl- continue on your playing journey and then tell me how you eventually got into coaching, your first foray into it and these kind of things and then we'll, we'll get on to the yeah, so release.
2: I, I um, I think it would have been uh, mid to late 2000s, I, I jumped on as an assistant coach with uh, Bugsy at YC and um, just to sort of dip my toe in the water and and see how it went. And and even I think the evening before that, I jumped on the committee just to see the, how it all works and all those sort of things because I reckon some of those were just some of the smaller foundation blocks to to working out whether it was for me. I had a fairly good idea that it was, but just, I guess, trying to know more. Um, so, yeah, and then 2009, I went to, Gav, uh, to Lang Warren to be Gavartico's assistant. Um, and then the opportunity came to, to look for a head coaching job at the end of 2009. Um, and there's a couple of clubs which sort of I was interested in and... Uh, in the end yeah I spoke to Hastings and and that was history I suppose it's uh, where I ended up in my first coaching gig which probably wasn't the ideal situation in our first year they went from I think maybe 6 or 8 wins down to 4 and we lost my first eight games as coach and I thought what have I done like why like all of a sudden this side's not winning games when it was winning games last year but I felt like there was some things we were doing which were right so I I just had to back myself, and the had the backing of the committee to say, "You know, we actually believe in you, and what you're doing, and your message, and all those sort of things." And um, things got a bit difficult for a few, and people moved on, and that sort of thing. But uh, what we ended up doing was just building a really strong culture of um, resilience and, and um, character that was what needed to win. And um, we ended up winning, I think, half their last half of the season, and and the following year we were able to play off in the grand final. So um, we were able to change things quite quickly. Um, even though there was that little hiccup at the start I sort of look at that now and go you know what it was just part of it That's a great achievement in your second year of coaching to to coach a side to the grand final
1: that was yeah like zero and eight Mm. only 18 months prior Um, I love what you say you didn't just come in and you certainly didn't come in and start buying premierships you started from the ground up and very much an attitude and culture thing around a young football club Um, and these guys are from all different walks of life tradies uni kids like it's not it's not that easy. Like, it's not like a professional football club that you can walk in. These guys get paid, but minimal, and it's not an easy job being a head coach of an MPNFL club because the standard's such a good level of footy. But you're dealing with 50 or 60 different professions, personalities, all great kids, most of them. But you got to sometimes you got to be so much more than their coach. But that's
0: so
2: right. Like I, I look at my first year of coaching, and what what it was like to be a coach, um, and just that transition of life and generation through to my final year where. It was so my first year was probably 90% football 10% people and I, and I reckon by the end it was probably 50-50 you're dealing with 50% football 50% people in terms of helping them through situations um, yeah helping them through their own mental health battles if you will and, and trying to juggle that against trying to get the greater good for the team which was getting everyone to training and all those sort of things so um, I, I guess having that, that lived in experience of having some battles through, through time I was able to Get some more respect from some players in regards to that because they wouldn't be feeling right. And I'd be able to actually have the conversation and say, look, it's all good. If you need the night off tonight because you've got a lot on your plate and things aren't good, just no worries. But just come back Thursday and give me everything you got. And that got a a better buy-in than saying that you will train regardless. If you don't, you will drop here and all those sort of things. So it's just that having to be flexible around around the mental health side of it.
1: Showing your vulnerability and transparency as well, were you open to these guys one-on-one?
2: Um, probably to some I was. I, like I sort of think about when I did finish up um, with Meadows and, um, and I think what I spoken to you about the, the Bowie Miller thing, I probably cleaned up then. and I probably should have shown a bit more vulnerability because I, I did struggle with it. So that was your
1: last year of coaching. Yeah. So we'll fast forward quickly to this part because yep. it's, it's a very big um, part of the, your story. So tell the listeners about what happened when you were at Devon Meadows, coaching Devon Meadows, another football club in the MPNFL and I guess the aftermath of all that.
2: Yeah, so um, 2016, i um, been coaching Devin Meadows in my second season and on taking the Devin Meadows coaching job, one of my biggest excitements was to be coaching Bo Miller, who was a multi-league medal winner and just a, an absolute um, huge figure of local football, not just as a footballer, but as a person as well. So when I started coaching him, I had just instant attraction to Bo. Um, he... Unfortunately, it's the pre-season in 2006. He played the first practice match and hurt his knee a bit and started to feel a bit off. Um, and then it would have been late March that, um, yeah, he, got, he gave me a phone call one day to say, oh, look, mate, if, um, it's not gastro or just being sick. I've actually um, got a few lumps and stuff. So I had a few more tests and this day um, established it was a secondary cancer from a cancer he'd had earlier. Um and we had to sort of take stock at that time and say, what are we? How are we going to uh, like approach this as a, as a club? So on a Thursday night before selection or after selection, sorry, read the sides out, just got up in front of the club and Bo wasn't there and just and fulfilled the clubiness to what was going on. Um, and even the following Tuesday, I think it was, got a sports chaplain in to come and speak to the group just to sort of speak to them, not just from a spiritual point of view, but just to. Like, at, that stage I'd had a bit of um, what's the word I'm for um, I've been involved with trauma support through work and all those sort of things but on that level where it's that personal, and you know the person as well it's just difficult to try and for me to put the right words into place so I had the sports chaplain come in and um, and then yeah fast forward it just went downhill dramatically over three months and unfortunately he um, yeah, passed away in July and it was just like I said I've, I remember getting home from training one night and uh, I just broke down and I, like so I'd been so strong at the club and just I lost it and Menders yeah, there sort of supporting me there and, um, but I always felt like at the club I had to be that one who was pushing and, and um, I suppose just the big strong figure so I wish I sort of had it told the boys look it's okay if you need to let it go just let it go because yeah it probably took its toll on me away from the club um, yeah. because I was too focused on trying to be there for everyone else um, so it's it's not always easy to do that, no. you, you, especially in that coaching role, because you feel like you're the you the yeah. rock for everyone. But um. I don't think I don't think you, you should look back on that at all. And,
1: and I would you, you did what you did at the time, yeah. work, and obviously um, it's not a situation that you want to be in. And you did your best you could, and those boys would be very even if not consciously they'd be very grateful for having a person like you and, and having known you. And your character, um, yeah, I don't think many would have had it better than you. Horrible time in the football club. That was your last season or your coach?
2: No, nah, so I ended up finishing two years later. Um, sort of set How it was the time, your last two years? I, I reckon I took the fun out of it. Like I just, um, and I don't mean that in a disrespectful way to, to bury at all, but I just, I was, because of losing what I just deem as a family member, um, it was just hard to refocus like from there and say so, you know what everything else was trivial from that point on footy was just you know what footy's not as big as life no. um, so it was sort of it was difficult to reset um, we made a few against some player changes which I sort of felt like I needed to write the ship after that as well um, and yeah so it wasn't the last two years probably were almost just in cruise control to a degree but um, I wouldn't take him back. But no. um, certainly I probably should have pulled the pin at the end of 2016. Yeah, there's there's lots of, well, I guess, fork in the road moments. Yeah. But that that kind of,
1: you, you're just doing what you do. You're yeah. a football coach, you just go and coach. You don't have yeah. to know that you're not going to have the same oomph about yeah. you at the time. And, and that that could happen anyway. Like, yeah. It just depends on the, but yeah, that's that was a very fork in the road type moment. Yeah. You go Take me back um, before that though, mate. So you're working at the golf course. What was the attraction with the Vic Police and when did we start to make that foray?
2: Um, probably to, to lighten it up a bit. I remember on a footy trip in 2009, uh, sorry 1999 up in Sydney, we're on a on a shuttle bus and this couple of boys are getting a bit rowdy and I've just said, boys, just lighten up, like come on, we're on a free bus to the city. There's other people on the bus and everyone started getting stuck in ME and like the fun police and all that yeah, sort of stuff. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and almost at that stage, realised that I was a bit of a two-shoes, like yeah. I was a goody two-shoes. Yeah. And, um, as much as I loved a gag and a good time, like I still had respect for other people. Um, and I'd sort of considered it, but uh, I didn't finish VCE. So to join Victoria Police, you had to either be 18 with VCE or 21 without it. Okay. Um, and then I, my, my ex-partner, ex-girlfriend, um, when I got with her early 2000s, she sort of said, "Oh, what do, you, what do you want to do?" And I said, "Well, at this stage, I'm on the golf course and all those sort of things." And um, she goes, "Oh, because she'd applied for the job for, for Victoria Police, but missed out." Um, and she and I sort of said how I was interested, and she goes, "Well, why don't you do it?" So, catalogue long story short, I applied, and um, there was a bit of waiting period to get in because I had knee surgery and groin surgery, so I had to put my application on hold, and then there was a, a hold on recruiting. So. It was like a three-year wait before I actually got into the Academy. The um, same thing, I was only talking about it this week. Um, I can't remember who I was speaking to, but that there was, that had to be a real level of patience to the point where I was wondering whether people were actually believed me that I was trying to get into the Academy or whether it was just <laughs> a made-up story to, to sound cool or whatever. But um, <laughs> That's yeah, so in the end, mid-2005, um, yeah, I entered yeah. the Academy and um, it's been an interesting career. But uh, never look back. no, I never look back. Look, it's, yeah, it's... Um, it's, look, it's, mate, it's... I think as soon as the
1: listeners hear that you've got a police officer on, the head coaching is just another dimension as well. But you guys are on the front line every single day, and um, the, we've all got so much respect for police officers and emergency services um, employees, but how, how did you go day to day in those first few years? Like I know it might be a lot of tenuous stuff early, but... Like, how do you just go from living a normal life, like on a golf course, coaching footy, playing footy, like what people would say is a quote unquote normal bloke's life, yep. to instantly wearing that uniform and then seeing stuff that none of us should ever see, really?
2: Yeah. Well, I think, it, like, you go from being a civilian to a. Um Civilian would have been a better word. That's that's the word I was after. It just took me,
1: took me three sentences to sus- well, use succinctly in one word. Civilian to a police officer. You go from
2: being a civilian to a police officer and um, it's sort of... I th- even think in your first few months of being a police officer, you've still got part of that civilian hat on in that you're a bit naive to the world and you're not so sure as to what your powers are and what you can and can't do. But I think it, it only takes a few jobs to realise, hang on, I need to have my guard up all the time and I've, I've got to be almost seen the negative before I see the positive and have that little bit of trust in what I'm doing before, because otherwise you get hurt. And um, so, yeah, it, it does get to a point where, and every police officer knows it now, you, you're sitting in a pub or you're, you're at a shopping center, and you're looking for the exit, you're looking around to see who the good people are, who the bad people are and everything. So it's, I know Amanda gets, early on, she used to get quite um, frustrated, she's like, can you just sit still? Can you just stop looking around at people? I'm like, oh, it's just... What, I, what I'm now doing yeah. and every cop is the same and they all say it like yeah I'm at a shopping centre I'll, I'll try and sit with my back to a wall so I can see what's in front of me and all those sort of things and it does it does change you um, I'm like that now still um, probably not as consciously now though and is probably the same she doesn't realise that I'm still doing it as much but certainly it could be walking the kids in the city along the, the footpath and I'll, I'll just look ahead and see something coming which I don't like and I'll change hands with the kids and wow. just to Put them potentially out of harm's way, so it's just it does change you. Um, it's a it's a bizarre feeling, but in the, the day I said we're we're wide to risk assess, um, yeah. as a lot of um, industry are now. But yeah. I think us to the higher level because you're sort of yeah you, you uh, if you let your guard down once it, it might be enough. Yeah, so you're
1: always on technically. Yeah, right? um, and I guess it's such a like from the dawn of time it's such a noble profession, but. I don't think... I think we're a little bit more aware of it, but we probably, as civilians and general population aren't as... like we. I think we've got to be more considerate to our police officers' mental health and emotional well-being because um, there's not many jobs like yours. So did you... was What was the time where you go, Dude, I've really got to... Um, What point in time, how many years into the force, you go, I'm really battling here? Um, We spoke about 2016, but more police-specific or work-specific. When was the time you go, jeez, I need to seek help?
2: I think it was probably late 2000s, early 2010s. There's a couple of jobs I just went to -to back-to-back, which if you go to a a horrific job, one out, you can sort of work on it. But if you go to – if things sort of build up, it's no different to – I suppose a stress fracture in your leg. If you overcook it or whatever too much, your leg's going to respond in a, in a negative way. Um, same with your, your mind. If you if you forever seeing trauma, traumatic things back to back, it just it starts to get at you. So, I'd um, I'd identified that and I'd started um, seeing a, a counsellor through the police association, which is our union, um, and I'd seen a couple of other private ones from time to time. And I think I told you the story last time where. Uh, I went to see a guy and he sort of said, oh, I want you to um, draw a picture of what this feeling inside your head is and, and give it a colour and a texture and a name and, and I remember walking out of the car and I said to Amanda, I said no, I said I'll, I'll never go back to that person again because that's just that style isn't for me. Um, and likewise, um, yeah, I, probably the one that I've been seeing through Police Association, I just felt like I wasn't getting enough out of it. Um, yeah, and it was, I guess, a case of I was... At at times I was doing the self-medication thing of just drinking to excess just to sort of mask things, which wasn't the answer. And I guess when you look at that, coupling that with trying to play footy, like I I'm remember one season, I, I think it might have been 10 or 11, I actually I had about six months off, off drinking and it was by far one of the better seasons I'd had. Um, so I guess from a, a point of view of...
1: And your coaching at that time. Yeah and yeah. you're working in Vic Pol and mental health around that time wh- what was rock bottom to say like wh- why did you have the break off the grog was it footy or was it oh it's a number of things yeah, yeah. yeah. so what was rock bottom for you like, do you remember um, that, that
2: was a moment or was it just it was just a big haze yeah probably a big haze now I look yeah. back and, and now that I'm actually doing like more um, things to, to I don't know identify it quicker now like if I'm if I'm not right, I'll try not to have a beer. Like, I still love a beer, don't get me wrong. Um, but if, if I'm not 100% and I feel like a beer is not going to help me, well, I'll just stay away from it. Um, I'll grab a book and read. And, and realistically, that's something I've been doing a lot lately is um, going to bed nice and early and reading a book and all those sort of things. So it's identifying when things aren't going as well as they could and then actually actioning it in a positive way of going, you know what, I'm not going to do things that I've done in the past, which is just drink yourself into a stupor. It's going to be um, actually doing something positive, whether it be listening to music or reading a book or whatever it is, mowing the lawn, for instance. Yeah, I know you love it. Now, that's great because
1: in about 10, 15, I wanted to get on to what you, um, some of your tactics, which yep. you have already mentioned, they're so good. Yep. And just, like, just learning or... You love you. You're an ex greenskeeper at a golf club. You you love your lawn in your backyard. We'll get onto that yeah. and your family in your home later because I do love your setup. Um, so you're your, oh, the drinking and self medicating is so normal in, in any of our issues of my own or other people's. And we've had Harry Summers on before, um, elite ten thousand marathoner as well, um, and again a former alcoholic. So it's so common. And but if you're in your profession, mate, like well, I can't imagine. I know, you. Tell me, you, you moved away from the station just because it was all too much as far as that. Was that one of the main reasons?
2: Um, you live I'm, out in Gippsland now. I'm right? out, yeah, I'm yeah. out uh, in yeah. the Westport area now. But, yeah, one of the, one of the issues I had around policing as well, well, I was living in the town in which I worked. And unfortunately with the job, obviously, there's a lot of things you see and do which aren't pleasant. And if you're going to the shops or if you're going to visit someone and you're driving past the, an area in which you've been to a suicide or a... A nasty accident or something it, it just you look at the house and you go oh, I've been to that there and then all of a sudden you got that flashback of what it was so I felt um, it important to go and live somewhere which I'd never worked so it was a case of well, I can look at the town for what it is just my hometown rather than I've seen trauma there I've seen trauma there um, and to be honest it's been the one of the best moves ever um, yeah I don't look at the town in the way I, I, I do, unfortunately, at Frankston and Langwarrin and and uh, parts of the peninsula, because I've been to, to specific things there. So, and again, it's you try to put those thoughts to the back of your head of things that you'd seen, but certainly if you're turning a street, especially near where you live, and you go, "I've been to a, a an unfortunate job there," well, it's just part of what it is.
1: And you are a country boy at heart, so you you your family. Out, where are you now, mate, sorry? Yeah, Turidan. Yeah, beautiful. So yep. you got, you, you're a country boy at heart anyway. Yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah you're always going to end up on some land. With um, well, The big thing about Mousy, I wanted to listen to the listeners to take away from this. He did mention it on our last show that I stuffed up. Um, six psychologists.
2: Yeah, I reckon about six. Or now,
1: how good's that um, for a bloke who just who knew he, he needed more out of something? So if you are listening and you've seen one or two professionals bet counsellors, psychologists, psychiatrists, um, and you're not happy with those one or two, it's never, ever the answer to stop. You need to keep searching until you find the right one. Who you still touch base with really? Yeah, yeah,
2: so I was there about three weeks ago. Yeah. So, um, and again, it had been a bit of a, probably a six month stint, oh, yeah, between visits. Um, but in that last six months had been some things which we'd been building um, through work stresses and um, uh, yeah, obviously finishing coaching and and dealing with that side of it Um, and then the passing of my my old um, Labrador as well. So um, he was 14 years old. So there was a number of things which just started to build again. I'm like, I need to get on top of these. So in my last visit, I went in there with a list on my phone of five things that I wanted to talk to him about and try to work through. Um, And I I think obviously the, the Labrador one is time will help that. Um, and remembering him. But one of the other ones was around overinvestment um, in projects and things at the footy club. So there were certain things which happen and you, you want them to go in a certain way, but they don't. And it was sort of that was getting to me. I was getting frustrated with that. So, um, yeah, he's... I've got to get back there and see him again to continue to work on why it is that whenever I do something, um, I go ahead first into it because, like not everyone does that and it's not so, so much often a bad thing but i've got to realize that it's not all on me to get everything done um and that's just something which he and i will continue to work on that's great thanks for mentioning that i um that's great i, f- I forgot about that
1: the the over in stuff and then the disappointment when stuff doesn't go like i think a lot of us can relate to in certain aspects of our life so if we've got um, tactics in play to combat that and be aware of when you're doing it so um, I know that wasn't with a coaching that was with a committee thing so yep. again over investing lots of hours lots of energy lots of time um, and stuff didn't go the way you wanted to go it's bloody hard to not be pissed off and, and not but if it eats in you and eats in you know, that's when we've got to talk about it yeah the fact you wrote a list is brilliant um, and the listeners are really just writing it down is going to help you. Let alone going and seek help. How did you go with those five things? You. you, you was well, got- still
2: work to do. Yeah, um, yeah like it's um, continue to work on it. Yeah, I guess it is a way to happen. be. Like it's there's no quick fix with anything. It's a, it's, it's
1: it's never. It's a work in progress. Like um, we've spoke about so much uh, what the OCD anxiety stuff for the last month, and there's not. There's not a quick fix, but the awareness of it and the mindfulness of it is, um, and the the stuff you're doing at the moment with the reading and that kind of stuff is so good. Uh, Apart from the fact you're not drinking, which is great. You're going and and educating yourself or just just switching your mind off and going somewhere else if if you can. Before bed's a perfect time to do it. The coaching stuff, you finished up, you spoke about that, but I really want to touch on this thing as well with, you mentioned it quickly, but you glossed over it. Go deep into the stuff about when you're finishing coaching, you jumped on the committee, I noticed. What's the, where's the identity? Like, where's my identity? What do I do now? I've been a footballer for 25, 30 years. I've been a coach for a decade. How did you cope with that? Because that's not easy for a person I described as earlier as a,
2: a what did I say, a coach for life or a lifetime coach? Um, yeah, it was, it's strange. Like I said, 25 years of playing and not missing a season and nine years of coaching. And I, I knew... A, like at the start of 2018, that 2018 was going to be my last year. So I sort of, I had time to prepare in terms of coming out of it. But um, I used the term a couple of times to people with the recalibration of life. Like I've gone from spending so much time invested in football, in terms of from a playing sense, in my own recovery of injuries and all those sort of things, and then towards the end of my, God, the last third of my career, if you will, coaching and. The planning and the meetings and um, training and, and all those sort of things. So it was just really difficult to sort of just drop that and not have the the worry of, oh, I've got a meeting with this player or that player or I'm trying to recruit this person or that person. So, again, it was trying to find things to do with your time, um, which I found the most interesting. Um, and, yeah, like that's something during this year which I've, uh, I've really struggled with to, to look at it and go. And to be honest... I, 99% of that time has been put into time made up with the kids that I missed out on as a coach. Um, but, yeah, just trying to work out who you are and what you are around the footy club and, and all those sort of things has been an interesting dynamic. Um, and, again, I'll still get used to it. Like, it's it's still a work in progress in that sense. So. Well, yeah,
1: we're such a small time out of it, really. Like yeah. you know, It's a very fraction of a percentage yeah. considering how many years you spend in the game. Yeah. The identity thing's a big one. Who am I? And, and I think a lot of us would be the same whether it's work or or a coaching role don't forget a head coach of a local footy club I don't know I don't want to undersell it it'd be at least 30 hours a week at least Um, and there's only 168 hours in a week yeah and you're a police officer as well so it's it's crazy load for for a copper mate yeah but you did it for so long a beautiful family we'll touch on those guys now so we've got Amanda um,
2: and give us the kids. What have we? Got yeah, so I got three kids: uh, Madeline, Oakley, and Charlotte. Th- uh, two girls and a boy. Cool. So and what are their ages, mate? Uh, nine, seven, and three.
1: So, so gorgeous ages. And look, yeah, you you got those those special times now, and yeah. uh, they're at really good ages to have dad around. And look, like I said before, you'll coach again somewhere. I have got no doubt. Um, how do how do you go? How did you go transitioning into? Um, I guess. The school runs or whatever you were doing afterwards, like the stuff you weren't around for for 10 years, just yeah, well,
2: had to be at the footy club. There was like I, I'd miss out on concerts, kids' concerts, and specific things because I could have been in a footy meeting or footy training, for instance. So that availability is nice. Um, work is now a little bit further away now that I'm not coaching, unfortunately, like in terms of travel. But so that's been a different dynamic, but certainly. I've got a lot more time with the family now than I had when I was coaching, that's for sure. Yeah, so. and
1: it's definitely the, a beautiful benefit. Like, we, oh, lo- we yeah. love, I know, you, is it Oakley? Oakley? Yeah. I know he used to love the footy club, but yep. he'll, he'll be at his own junior club anyway. Yeah, this that's year. right. And you've got um, you've got so much more time to spend, which is the beautiful trade-off. Tell me about, well, two things. I wanted to touch on you. Travel to work, because I know you listen to a lot of stuff on there. Yep. Uh, we'll get to that. So, travel to work, you, you're yeah, so, that time wisely as well. Yeah,
2: so, like... Oh, one of the things that I have sort of identified is sometimes the radio would frustrate me. So on the way, I listen to a radio station which I actually enjoy. It the the talk back is good. Oh, it's a FM station, um, and uh, the conversation's interesting and it's sometimes some challenging conversations as well. Um, so that I really enjoy that on the way to work. But on the way home, you've had a big day at work, obviously, or whatever it is, and the last thing you want, to, I feel like listening to, and it might be different for other people, is that I don't I don't feel like listening to bad radio if you will so, um, so just those obvious jokes and just the real crass talk so I actually I've taken to either listening to a specific radio station which just plays relaxing music and or I listen to podcasts um, and I, and the podcasts vary from mental health to sports to whatever it is and given that I'm, I'm in the car for fifth anywhere from 45 50 20 hour um, I can generally get through an episode on the way home so again I'm not getting home agitated because i've listened to just some mindless stuff in terms of things which just frustrate me on the radio i've listened to things which i can either learn from or i've got an interest in whether it be a Cameron smith speaking to Maddie johns or something along those lines or a, a yeah a podcast around mental health um so it's uh there's so much more you can do than just sitting behind the, the wheel of the car.
1: I'm um, so big on that. And look, there's so many people in Melbourne. Melbourne's traffic isn't great, let's be honest. And um, all around the world, it's probably not great in the, in the big cities. The frustration levels, especially, we've all got our own issues going on. So the frustration levels of sitting in a car for two, three hours a day, do something constructive. Yeah. Like you, you could take an online course and learn in the car. Mm. You could literally get certified while driving, obviously, be smart be smart but yep. he's listening yeah. he's listening like you would anyway and there's nothing I agree mate there's nothing worse than crap radio that you feel like you're not getting anything from Yeah, 100% if it works for you and it relaxes you you can have a laugh and you enjoy it yep. that's great but you don't want to be getting even if it's subliminally negative or angry on a way home from work yeah. like, that's the last and even thing. like someone pulls in front of you you're <laughs> just like oh well yeah, if you've got a pod, 100%. <laughs> like your whole mood, if you relaxed. listen, I know we're obviously on a podcast now, and it's a, it's a medium of choice for us, but it's so bloody good. Like, I love learning, I love exactly interesting topics. If you're having a bad day, if you chuck one on, you're going to be having a better day. It's like anything, it's like training. Yeah. You're going to get a good response from that. Also, I was fascinated about that because you did tell me that as well. That's, that's really cool. So the travel from work, Going well. What about the um, with the coaching now? It's it's obviously been put to bed for a while. Yep. Do you find yourself uh, looking at football, looking at sport the same way as you always did, or do you can you take a little bit of a different look? Do you go? You mentioned how it was fifty fifty. Yep. Uh, the people and the the football. Do you find yourself more looking at individuals in a different way, a different light?
2: Yeah, probably. Like. I use Meadows for example. Going on the committee, I probably didn't even look at the footy much at all this year. Like I watched maybe eight, eight or nine games, and of that, I probably only saw a quarter max of every game because I was busy doing things behind the scenes. And to be honest, that's that was what was floating my boat more than actually worrying about the football type thing. As in, so yeah, as much as I was a coach and I was so driven for success and all those sort of things, I guess I did have a refocus and go, well, I've had my time. Here's the new coach. He's there their man for the job now and um i wasn't going to get in his way but i still wanted to see the club succeed so i ran a refocus around um doing things on the committee which sort of um i said just filled the filled the cup i suppose so that's that's very very good yeah what
1: about so with work at the moment so you're at the academy at the
2: moment yeah so at the academy been How, there how's about, that going? yeah i've been there for about six months so yeah. 14 years operational policing and then uh, needed to tick a few boxes to do something different to um, to hopefully progress to the next level and yeah I've took taken a role out at the academy and um, yeah I'm in at the centre for professional policing so it's um, I guess teaching recruits and uh, constables and a little bit into some some higher level courses as well just around some human rights and integrity and stuff like that so it's it is really it's it's a really good topic and I really enjoy it that's um, great mate. and it's it's again it's been that nice little time at the end of my coaching career to, yeah. to focus on something different and learn something different so if I had just been same thing in a police station or running a police station I'd just be in that groundhog day but I've gone in a different direction with work and it's actually been really positive
1: I feel like with your awareness I feel if the listeners can take something out of, of Mousy we're gonna get into his uh, tips now um, but his awareness and he, like we talk about self-awareness you've got great self-awareness of how you're traveling day to day, and I, even when I first met you, I could tell it straight away. Like you, you're really wise, and a lot of us probably aren't, um, and that's okay because we can get better at that. But you're you're ahead of the game. You'll, you'll seek out your psychologist before you hit a rock bottom, or you'll you won't have a beer if you really. That's that's amazing, really. That's great. Like you can really, and the, the listeners can think about that, and when they're going to. If they can see a trigger or they know that if it just, it's, it's building, it's building, it's building, they just need to like, hit the circuit breaker and not continue down the same route they might have done thousands of times before. Yeah. Um, we, can, we can change. Like, we are here. We talk about neuroplasticity. We talk about Joe Dispenza. We can change the way our brains work. We don't have to do what we've done tens of thousands of times before. Okay? It's, um, and Mouse is a great example of that. Like, he could have continued on the same route. You were going down mid two thousands, late two thousands, spiralling into all sides of depression. But you've just, you've you've done that circuit breaker yourself. Leading off what I've just said, what are your top four or five tips for the listeners that you do? And um, yep. just be as um, verbose as you want, mate. Talk as long as you want about this. Um, I know you do a lot, so yeah. Yep. what are your, Four or five tips maintaining the best possible mental health.
2: because yep. it's never perfect. Um, I got off social media. I got off yeah. Facebook about uh, four months ago. And to be honest, it's been the best four months since I first got on it. Um, Went to one of the resilience project sessions and they talk about the disconnect to reconnect thing. And it's so true. Like you you do, you walk down the street these days or you go through a shopping center and people are sitting across the table and they're just scrolling through their phones and there's no connect between anyone. So, and the other side of that was the frustration and you get from Facebook or any social media, perhaps for that matter where you read comments on certain topics, and you've got people who've got a different view to you, or whatever it is, and and they, they're they're criticising you for having that view. Or, and not that I commented on anything, but you could just see the the tit for tat arguments that were going on. And I just thought, why why am I why am I investing my time in this when I can be doing something positive, um, be it reading a book or be it walking around in my backyard or whatever it is? Um, yeah, so that that's one. Um, you hear mindfulness term buzzed around a fair bit these days and there's obviously specific parts of yoga or whatever it is or um yeah but for mine mindfulness is just as i said listening to a podcast or listening to a radio specific radio station on the way home um could be reading a book it could be um mowing the lawn it could be anything which i like i appreciate brings down my level of um Anxiety, if you will, um, rather than just saying, you know what, I'm not going to address this. I'm just going to continue my day, and or I'm going to listen to this radio station, knowing full well that it fires me up. No, nah, I'm going to pull away from that. Um, yeah, so um, I like I like having a focus on something or having a project to do. Um, and I know there's examples of like people who get on go on a holiday, they get back, they start planning for the next one straight away. So just those little plans in your mind, rather than sort of for mine that is it could be a project out in the backyard it could be building something or whatever it is something just to to have a focus on and, and have an end goal um, because yeah I, I don't like the the, uh, the thought of just waking up and waiting for the clock to get to whatever time and go to bed so there's got to be a purpose in each day um, and then yeah maybe like I still, my involvement in sport, um, whether it be social basketball on a Thursday night with the mates or something along those lines, just something to to keep me busy. Um, I'd love to do more activity, but unfortunately playing footy for so long I've got some joints and, and uh, bones which don't agree with me anymore, so I've got to refocus how I do do that. Um, yeah, so it's, again, just trying to remain active um, in the body as well as...
1: they're all really good Um, we've touched on exercise mindfulness um, lots of time there and I think the more time with the family as well which we'll get into on um, on, on one of your perfect days but um, the big thing you said basketball I loved it when you said that because he does still play domestic basketball with half a dozen mates have a laugh Work your ass off, like yep. run up and down the court. You said you had five plays last three weeks. <laughs> last,
2: yeah, last couple of weeks, so, five players. That's so. a, that's
1: a, mate, anyone that's played basketball, 40 minutes up and down is tough. Doesn't matter how fit you are and you've got no subs. We get the big Mousy on the back row on a cross trainer once a week or a bike, I reckon, over the next <laughs> few weeks as well. Because the continuity of exercise, you got no doubt you got the gym. At, um, you got a gym at home, yeah. hey, you set up a gym yeah, at home. Yeah. So he's, he's got constant, he's constantly doing something. But the best thing that Mousy said, a purpose to each day. Like that's all. That's all that ever is, and it doesn't have to be a marathon or an Ironman or anything. It can be, but just a purpose. And that's why goal-oriented. We're all goal-oriented. Let's be honest, as human beings. So um, you've you've had something in stone for so long with football. Um, it's it's good. It was always going to test you. It was always going to yep. challenge you having a step away from a footy club, uh, being such a big part of your life. But you're so driven with work as well, and that's all. If that's all it is, listeners, if that's all it is to say I want to really put a lot of my focus into work, then what, as long as it's a healthy relationship, that's with your job, that's that's magnificent. Um, tell me, we're we're getting off the the more serious stuff in a minute. Um, you also see the psychologist, which we 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 can't neglect to mention. So yeah. that and that's always on top of that. Day to day, day to day life. Give me an average day. In the life of, of mouse and then um,
2: we'll get on to some, on a work day. some fun stuff yeah uh work day now is probably up around five thirty. um yeah um go to work have breakfast when i get to work just so um i can sort of post my drive just wind down before i get into my day um manage the office to a point where everything's working um we've got all our sessions covered which we teach into the recruits and the like and then start looking at things we're going to do going forward um get home um, around about the four thirty five o'clock mark. Um, again, probably in a more relaxed state than I ever have um, because hard. of the choices I'm making around what I'm listening to in the car. Um, and then, yeah, play with the kids um, up until the time in which we eat. Um, obviously, during the winter, it's always a little bit more difficult. Um, you're getting home from work and the young bloke's got the footy at the front door going, come on, Dad. But I can do that now. Um and even now, this time of year, I love spring's my favourite time of the year because you can get out the back, um, play backyard cricket, um, do whatever, you, blow, mm. do those big bubble one things for the girls. That's or um, the eldest daughter plays playing cricket too, but the youngest one's still that little bit, um, little bit crazy, if you will. So, um, so yeah, just doing things out the back um, with them is probably, um, and then obviously, do it's a bit of Groundhog Day. I guess you do the dinner, do the the. Washing of the um, the kids and then letting them read a book oh, here and then it's that's beautiful. Mate. So
1: young family, mate, that's life. That's, yeah, it's beautiful. Uh, and that, that's, look, it's simple. and It's beautiful. That's what. Yeah. That's, I wanted to touch on that because routine is good as well. Yeah. Um. It's you said ground a day a couple of times, but routine for continuity and performance is really good. Yeah. And especially if you're in a good spot mentally, which yeah. you are uh, at the moment as we speak, you you you've got a really good routine. Purpose and routine. Yep. Like two two words that I don't think. I think they're pretty underrated yep. as far as uh, a mental health. You've got a purpose and you have got a routine. Yep. and that You get up early, you get it done. Yep. You just get it done. Really good. Tell me the ultimate day in the life of Mouse, if, if you could do anything. Um, you've got a very, very cool man cave I've heard lots about from other people. But I will get down there
2: to have some schooners. Tell me about the perfect day in the life of Mouse. Yeah. Um. I think it'd be a, just a cruisy wake-up with the kids coming in to jump into bed and, and uh, have a cuddle. Um, and then, yeah, from there it'd be, yeah, just a nice cooked breakfast. Um, take the kids up to the local playground or something along those lines. Uh, I'd probably mow the lawn, to be honest. I, I love my lawn still from the old golf club days. Um, Has to be a first-time answer that. Surely no one's ever seen mowing <laughs> the lawn. Continue. Oh, it's bizarre. You meet people who don't like mowing the lawn and I'm like, I don't know how you can not. It's just so therapeutic. But... Um, yeah, it could be uh yeah d- taking the kids out somewhere else for the afternoon. Um it could even be going to watch local sport or d- or, d- or catching up with friends and then um yeah, late afternoon into the shed and It's not a shed. No, it's, it's not a shed. It's yeah, it's my little paradise. But um yeah. What's in it? Uh oh, it's a bit of everything. There's yeah, there's pool table and dartboard and pot belly and TV and couches and and a fridge. And a, and a fri- yeah, a fridge, most importantly. What you know. else do you need, big fella? Yeah, and it's got all memorabilia all around and, and the like. It's um, I'm loving it more and more. I've actually got some, getting on a side topic, I've got some um, old seats from when they pulled down the Great Southern Stand. That's so cool. Yeah, so they all flip down ones that make that noise when you get off yeah, them. So yeah. it's actually a really cool memorabilia. So many
1: two ish? Yeah, them. I reckon. They built the Oh, it might have no. been when they
2: did the new yeah, one. Um, the new one, yeah.
1: New yeah, one, yeah. That's awesome, buddy. So yeah. that, that's in your your
2: Yeah, car. one of those, like, Folded down in my shed, so you'll often find me there, sitting there, just rolling the tennis ball out for the old border collie now, just oh, to having uh, a beer, so.
1: Per- you've just painted a beautiful day. Now you can say, now you've, you're a very, very proud and, and a, an amazing dad, um, how's that changed your life? It's changed all of us as fathers, but you, um, yeah, you've
2: mentioned your beautiful kids many times, so yeah, yeah, oh, tell mate, me about I, being a father. I think sometimes you can almost get stereotyped of as a person or how you're potentially gonna be seen as a father. And I think because of my football involvement and all those sort of things, everyone just thought I was going to be one of those um, dads that sort of, yeah, the kids are there, but they're not, not yeah. a big part. But I can honestly say that the kids, oh, I don't know who and where I'd be, because the kids are just, they're amazing. Um, They've just, they again, you talk about purpose and all those sort of things, um, they give, the, probably the biggest part of your purpose for every day is seeing them smile and, and making them happy. So um, and that might sound soppy to some, but no. for mine it's um, I'm more than happy to say that my kids are my weakness and I'm I'll do whatever I can for the rest of my days to make sure that their life's better. So No mate, hundred percent and I am
1: hundred percent in agreement. It's the, um, the kids are well, exactly the same. I don't know where I'd be without the kids and, and it's not soppy at all. It's 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 true. Mm. and I don't think anyone um, that doesn't think that, like probably probably does deep down, but they're just not not evolved enough to express their feelings. It's simple yeah. as that. Like the kids are the best thing in the world, aren't they? Yeah. So and you've mentioned them so much, and on the perfect day you mentioned them three times. And of course Amanda would be there.
2: Yeah, yeah, she'll be there. Yeah. <laughs> so no. well, she yeah she comes out to this. She hasn't embraced the shed as much as I have. Come on, Amanda. <laughs> um, but every now and then I'll send her a message saying, come on, bring your gin out. Let's let's, <laughs> have it. let's have a drink together out in the shed. So. That's pretty- um, yeah, and even so much as every Sunday afternoon, yeah, I love getting the kids a pack of chips. We tear open the chips on top of a wine barrel. They'll have a, like, a couple of chips as we're watching the basketball on the, the TV. Best. and That's the best. Um, just a nice, relaxing Sunday afternoon. It's just, again, hopefully there are memories that the kids will have of of yeah really fun times growing up. And they will, mate. And we
1: talk about, you can create this life. You've created this like You could have been in a very different spot. We talk about some of your low moments. Yeah. Like, uh, incredibly different spot but you've you've created and manifested this life this beautiful life and the listeners out there can do the same it can look very different to mouses it doesn't it doesn't have to look like mouses but you can manifest what you want in life um, it, it's not it's not wanky to say that it's actually very true and it's been proven time and time again um, it look it doesn't happen overnight and it's not going to be roses all the time that's just life mm. but stuff like the resilience project you mentioned is some really good stuff there He's a, he's a Melbourneian as well. Like, there's some really good stuff content on the internet. Stuff really. If you want to make a change, you make a change now. Um, you're a superb talker, mate. You you can tell that you're just such a great officer and coach. It's been a pleasure having you on. Is there anything over the next five years you want to um? Well, give me some goals over the next five years for you, mate. Um, you can be as
2: you can be as left field as you want. Just yeah. a bit of a random question. Um, well, no. Obviously, the next step for work is to get promoted to to um, senior sergeant. So that's a, something which has been happening for the last three or four years. Um, which again is a really a, a big motivation. Probably now more so than before when I was coaching because it's sort of that's the, the, one of the main focuses. Um, I don't know. I think realistically, and it sounds um, it might sound wanky as I said, but just trying to get on top of things like limit the amount of days where you go, you know, I can't, this is really frustrating, this is shitting me or or whatever it is. So rather than just saying, oh, it is what it is, like it's part of the course, I'm having a flat day one in seven, trying to change that to one in 14 or trying to change that to one in 28 because it does impact on not just you but others. Um, And I think, and I talk probably openly (laughs) enough to say that Manda's probably been a really strong person in that she's had to manage me um, in terms of some of the times where I've been flat or frustrated or whatever it is um, that she's had to yeah try and put me back on, on the rails type thing so um, so yeah my, my want is to, to reduce the amount of days which I'm not firing on all cylinders so um, and I said I've, I've done a lot in recent times to fix that um, but there's still plenty of room to, to, for improvement, so um, yeah, I guess promotion at work. Kids are healthy, happy. Um and a half forward for Melbourne. I mean, <laughs> um, no, right, just yeah. just say they're they
1: they're do, happy. They do need a couple of talks They do, um, um, mate. That's that's beautiful. I love it. The one in twenty-eight or one in thirty days where you're off and that's the goal that's a great goal yeah and, and we just we can create it we can It's no one said it's easy but if we if we get in the habit of doing these things that you've been doing we spoke of mindfulness so much we spoke on making choices around listening content making choices around what he does on the weekends mouse, and just little things like that um, go a long way when all compounded together yeah. um, it's been an absolute pleasure we'll get you back on for a round table for Christmas we've got two more apps. we're going to extend this series out a little bit more um but um, with a couple other guests over the next two weeks. But it's been an honour to have such a man of great integrity and, um, and great leadership qualities and, and also just open and honest and, and not afraid to speak about uh, his, his stuff to help other people. If this episode has, um, has triggered anything, please look to our show notes, Beyond Blue. It's Okay Not To Be Okay and Lifeline, all the numbers are there. This episode with the great Mousy is going to go straight to Tommy Senior, the producer, so I can't stuff anything up. I could not get Mousy in for a third time. Thanks so much, buddy, for coming in. No worries, mate. pleasure. You're a great man. and um, Please, again, jump on those show notes for any help. But, again, do something today that's going to make you much, much better tomorrow. Listen to this podcast. might be a start.
0: That's it for this week. Thank you to host Rick Mirabella and Runners.com for this week's episode. A reminder that support is available from the links in the show's description. We have a couple more episodes to come in this series before we wrap it up for 2019. Keep an eye out for the next release in the coming weeks. Until then, thanks for listening.